Welcome back. It's been a little while since I talked about subjects relating to domestic violence and child abuse. Um, I'm hoping that you have enjoyed um, some of the series that I've done on different cases and what my thoughts are. And um, if you haven't had a chance to listen to some of those, you can go back and listen through my podcast. And if you go to my very first one, it tells the beginning of my story um, of surviving domestic violence and how I um, grew up in a violent home and ended up being married to a, a violent man. And um, so welcome. And again, thank you so much for listening and for your support and your comments and your questions. Before I get started talking about um, triggers and red flags today, I have a couple more things to say. And that first is that in the description, I have two phone numbers, one for the National Domestic Violence Hotline and another one for RAIN, um, which is more specifically to sexual abuse, which I felt was important to put that one in um, the description for this topic as well because I think with sexual abuse it's a more specific abuse although it all is abuse but um, I, people I believe I could be wrong about this but I believe people who have been sexually abused although there may be some similarities or overlapping with violence and I know that sexual abuse is violence but um, I think people who are sexually abused may have some other issues that are specific to that type of abuse so I wanted to put that in there as well also I am going to put a link in the description for um, a buy me coffee if you want to support my podcast I appreciate it of course you're not obligated Um, but it is a way for you to show your support if you want to help me out it makes it financially a little easier for me to do these podcasts and um, just to elaborate on that a little bit and I don't know if you can hear the anxiety in my voice but these these aren't easy for me um, to do I have been out of my abusive situation for almost 30 years and um, so I'm not a young person okay so you can get by that I'm getting older And it's been a process, but I'm at the point in my life where um, I just feel like I need to start reaching out and helping people who are going through this to, first of all, let you know that you can, you can live a better life. And, And I've, you know, I think my life is pretty good right now. It's not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. And there are things that I still deal with to this day. And I may never, ever actually get over with, but I am doing little things to help myself. And I I just feel like in my growth, it's time for me to start giving back and to help those who haven't been walking this walk as long as I have. So that's my reason for doing this. There's really no other purpose other than I just know how it feels and nobody should have to live a miserable life because of someone else's actions. So anyway... Those are the two things that um, I wanted to mention as far as getting that out to you. Now, I do have a disclaimer. I am not a counselor. I am not a psychiatrist or have any kind of psychiatric training. I am, however, a survivor of both 
child abuse and domestic violence and that in itself I feel makes me an expert at least in my own life and um, hopefully I can share my insights with you um, so here we go uh, today I want to talk about triggers and red flags and this morning I came across a, I guess you call it a meme and it had a quote on it that goes like this it says never discredit your gut instinct you are not paranoid your body can pick up on bad vibrations if something deep inside of you says something is not right about the person or situation trust it I don't know who said or wrote this there was no credit for that person but I thought it was spot-on when it comes to trusting our insti our instinct and recognizing triggers and red flags and after I posted this there was a short little conversation between me and another woman and she felt that this was spot on and I made a comment about how it it becomes so easy to trust someone who's basically a criminal and not trust ourselves any longer and it comes down to um, why we do that it really ha comes down to grooming or what I call brainwashing. You may have heard me refer to it as brainwashing in some of my earlier podcasts, but it's grooming. That's what they're calling it now, where people are conditioned to uh, fall into this situation that makes them vulnerable to be a prey to a perpetrator. Um, but when we come out of it, there's a lot of things that happen as you're recovering. And I've found this to be true of myself and as I listen to other people I think that they also struggle with this and so maybe for a little clarity there was a point in my life where um, I wasn't with a person who was actively abusing me but I was dating and I just felt like I was a a magnet for assholes is really how I worded it at the time. I was an asshole magnet. Like, how did I attract these people who really didn't care about me? And, you know, some were worse than others. And, you know, um, in some ways, that's a that's stinking thinking, which I don't feel that way about myself any longer. But, you know, I keep I kept going through the process of trying to figure out how to change my life and um, recognize things that um, I can use to help protect myself and so I just really want to define some things I want to define triggers and red flags and maybe try to figure out how we can use these things um, because in the in the course of this conversation I had with this woman you know I made a comment that even though we trust these people, we still, deep down in our gut, we still have that moral compass. That's what I called it in the conversation. But there is some sort of a mechanism inside of us that tells us something's not right. It's always there. It's just that we get to this point after the grooming where we forget to listen or we ignore it or something happens where we're not paying attention to our internal warning signals that are telling us to stop, get away from this, this is bad. So, excuse me, <clears throat> sorry about that. Um, these are my definitions. I was trying to find definitions and I really couldn't find something clear, clear 
to uh, define the difference between a trigger and a ragged flag. So I created my own definition. And what I call a trigger is a thing. It's something that makes us uncomfortable or it could create a desire within us. So I think it's important to acknowledge that, yes, sometimes triggers actually make us want to do um, that thing as well as making us uncomfortable, depending on where we are in our our recovery. So, for example, um, somebody who is maybe trying to get over some substances and they had a hard day at work and now they want to go grab a beer or something like that or they want to, you know, do something to take their mind off of it that may be a trigger for them or you know you're sitting around and you're trying not to drink and all your friends are drinking that could be a a trigger that makes you actually want to go ahead and do it and that is so subtle when it comes to dealing with other people because there are triggers that will make us want to fall into these patterns or relationships that are abusive so that desire part I really do feel is very, very uncomfortable. The more obvious is, um, wait, I think I said that wrong. There's the, the desire is important to acknowledge because those triggers can make us fall into relationships that are not healthy. Okay. The uncomfortable part, and I'm experiencing this every time I do one of these podcasts, these are the things that make us uncomfortable. So talking about things that have happened in my past or reading and doing the research on the case studies where children or women or I haven't really come across too many men um, who have been abused. Um, but I guess, it, it, you know, it happens. I don't want to just blame men for being the bad people in the world. But, you know, these things make me uncomfortable. They're triggers for me. They're not hurting me at the moment. But they do bring that anxiety up in, in us. And so just remember that anxiety is the thing. It's a natural response to something that should make you want to run. Okay. A red flag, my definition is something a person says or does. So it's more connected to somebody. So for example... Um, a red flag may be your partner comes in that day and they haven't said anything to you but they're kind of stomping around the house and they're you know maybe slamming things around and maybe even the silence could be a red flag um you know those kind of things or things that people say like you know um I'm trying to think something simply you could say you know uh Maybe a potential partner says, you know, all women are out for themselves or money grabbers or something like that. You know, those things could be red flags. Another thing I want to differentiate, and I'm going to give you two examples from my life, um, is that um, what would be a red flag or a trigger to me may not be something that would be a trigger or a red flag to another person. So first example is um, I had gone on a date with a man it was the first time I met him and um, the date was okay he made some comments about 
women while we were out that were sexually degrading, um, but could have been taken by somebody else as maybe, oh, you know, that's interesting. To me, I thought they were degrading comments, but I was paying attention and watching. So a little bit of time goes on, the night's coming to an end, and um, we stopped by my house for some reason, I don't remember what it was. Uh, I had no intention of sleeping with this person at all. And so we go in the house, we're sitting in the living room, and he takes his shoes off. And I didn't like that. And my reason why is because I just met this person and they got comfortable enough to take their shoes off because who knows what else he's going to take off next. And I had children living at home at the time and just decided "Mm, that's enough. And I asked him to leave. And he was pretty bent out of shape about it. But, you know, I'm sorry. Maybe somebody else wouldn't have been bothered by that. But I was. I just felt he was too comfortable in a new environment. You know, he didn't even ask. He just kicked his shoes off. So that was one instance. And it may seem minor to somebody else, but to me, I didn't like it. I didn't think he respected my space enough, you know. Another instance, and this is probably a little bit more relatable, another date I had gone on. It was a first date. We met. And it was okay. We talked and, you know, things were going okay. And then um, we were getting ready to say goodbye. And um, he, you know, he wanted to give me a kiss, which is fine. I don't have a problem kissing somebody on a first date. That's okay. But his hands started wandering all over my body. He didn't touch me anywhere that would have been appropriate in a public setting. Because we were still in a public setting. But it was the intensity of the way his hands were going over me and it made me very very uncomfortable because I felt like um it was just a little bit too too intense for somebody I had never kissed before ever and I and I know that another person may have felt wow you know this is really um passionate or whatever another person might have felt but to me I just thought it was a little bit too much and so that was the end of that And just um, taking that into consideration, you know, what might be a trigger for you isn't necessarily a trigger for somebody else. And what's a red flag to you may not be a red flag to somebody else and vice versa. It may not be a, a red flag to you, but to someone else, it may make them extremely uncomfortable. And that brings me, I want to tell one more story. I can't say this person's name because I don't want to. I guess, betray her trust. Um, But just to give you an example that um, even in the same community, okay, because we were both, we're both survivors, um, there's a difference. Each person's different and they have their own unique triggers. So this, this is the story. My girlfriend and I, we were at a festival, you know, we weren't in, um, a survivor's meeting or anything like that. We were just kind of out palling around being girls. And we were at this festival and there was a mime kind of in the crowd doing her mime things that mimes do. And I thought she was kind of cute. She, she didn't look like your typical mime with the black and white. She was wearing green and black and she had flower and I thought she was cute and was a female. Typically your stereotypical mime is a, a man. Okay. So I'm watching her and my friend is going, 
there's something wrong with that clown. She just, she couldn't stand this clown. She hated this clown. And, and I didn't understand it. I thought the girl was cute. And my friend very emphatically did not like her. And so, anyway, we moved on and that day passed. And a few months later, my girlfriend had taken a trip to visit one of her sisters. And her sister is an artist. And um, she brought some of her drawings back with her. And she was showing them to me, and there was this one drawing that had um, created a, a response from my friend, and her sister picked up on it. And the picture was um, a picture of a playing card, the Joker on a playing card, and it was a clown wearing your traditional clown costume, so that baggy stripes, you know, and the funny hat and the makeup with the big smile and the clown is kind of sitting slumped over and if you look at the makeup it looks kind of like just a whimsical little clown picture but if you look below the makeup you could see that the clown itself was very very unhappy and um, so instead of this kind of quirky little head turned posture it was really more of a kind of a sad disgusted, not disgusted like gross, but disgusted, just fed up with life kind of a posture. And in the hand of this clown, there was a broken ping pong paddle. So the ping pong paddle was in the hand of the clown and the ball with the string was kind of laying down on the ground. And that was the picture. And she showed this to me and she said her sister, her sister saw this reaction and um, told her a story or brought back a memory of something that happened to my friend when she was very very little and what had happened was it was Halloween and um, for some reason her mother who was dressed up like a crown clown flew into a rage and beat my friend with a ping-pong paddle to the point where it broke so now I understand why my friend hates clowns that makes perfect sense to me I, I, it's been a long time since she told me the story, so I don't know if she remembers this beating, but I remember her explaining it to me and the realization. And the also another little side note on this is that her sister, who was older, was there. And so this particular instance not only affected my friend, but apparently had affected sister enough to create this work of art which is sadly beautiful um, I don't know how else to say that because it really was a stunning piece of art and there could be any kind of meaning behind it if you saw it but there was a specific story behind this piece and I happen to know what it was because my friend told me but until she told me that I really didn't get what her issue with clowns were and she never really communicated it very clearly to me and I bring that up because you know it's so easy to label people and call them a weirdo or you know strange or acting stupid or whatever little labels we want to put on people but sometimes even that person doesn't understand what it is or why something's triggering them um, and so 
particularly for us that are in this community where we're survivors, if somebody's reacting that way, if you make friends and you build your community and your support system with other people who have gone through what you're going through, and you see somebody that's reacting in a way that you don't understand, just try to take a step back and realize that you know their story is different from yours. And it, when we have things that happen in our childhood, sometimes we remember it and sometimes we don't. And sometimes we're just not able to express it. And sometimes we just don't want to. Because every time you talk about something, you have to bring it back. And unless you're ready to talk about it, it's very uncomfortable. And we need to let get people have the space to heal in their own time and in their own way. And so that's where I am with this. Just to give some definition to words that we hear when we're talking about it and hopefully have compassion and yeah compassion because we're not going to understand every single little thing and 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 it's okay not to understand I mean I don't expect everybody to understand everything about me I'm just trying to help everybody all of us understand that it's happening and that each of us are walking our own walk and might not even be able to explain it to you what's going on in our head or what we're feeling sometimes it's really hard to say it and sometimes we don't even have the words for it so I do hope that this was helpful to you I I want everybody to stay safe and healthy and um, I will talk to you again later oh one little side note you can send me messages in buy me a coffee so if you're not comfortable sending me an email you want to ask me a question or make a comment, you can also do that there. I'm really looking forward to hearing from you. Stay safe and have a great day. Bye.